Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Money. It's a big issue for all of us, and it's a really big issue if you found yourself in a toxic relationship. Maybe you have a toxic relationship with a parent who keeps threatening you that they're going to cut you out of the will. Maybe you have a toxic relationship with a partner who has taken over the finances. Today, I'm going to be talking with my guest, Victoria Lowell, and we are going to be finding out what you need to know and what you need to do, even if you haven't done it already. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. So today we're going to talk about that thing that people don't like to talk about. We're going to talk about money, the thing that many times when you're in a new relationship, you just don't want to have that conversation. You put it off and you put it off and you figure love will conquer all. Haven't you just heard that, Victoria? Oh, I've heard it way too many times. You know, I, I often t- times tell people we've, we've demystified and we talk about sex, we talk about religion, we talk about politics, but we haven't come to the point or the evolution um, of talking about money. And yet money is so important to us. It is. And I want you all to know that my guest today is Victoria Lowell. And uh, you go by Vicky, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. (laughs) And she's an internationally best-selling author and a financial educator and coach. I have her book here. I've been reading it. You want to too. It's called Empower Your Worth. And um, I'm going to have some quotes from that for you today, so you'll know how valuable that is. And uh, this important thing is she's worked in a lot of organizations, and she has helped to foster the desire to empower women in her community, and in particular in learning about how to manage finance, how to think about it, how to get out of the mess. I absolutely love a quote that you had in the beginning of your book where you said, you you said, when Carrie Bradshaw realized her lifestyle and her income needed a more harmonious relationship. You know, it's true. I, I think about Sex in the City. I was a big fan of the show. And, and we, we knew about Carrie's instant um, desire to always be swept off her feet, to have Mr. Big love her. And she worried about her clothing and she worried about her friends, but she never really thought about her economic power. And I don't want people to think about it as money. It's power. Um, money represents power in a relationship. It, it, the one you have with money, the one you have yourself. So that's what I really want people when they think about Carrie Bradshaw, when I talk about her in the book, it's that you need to have that in harmony. You need to have money, money, net worth, self-worth. They all coincide. Well, it's very important for every one of us to realize that if we have money avoidance issues, 
then there's something probably way back in our family that taught us that money was dirty or money was the root of all evil or money is something somebody else handles or money is something you don't talk about, nice people don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And you have to look in those places, don't you? Like, where did you get your feelings and thoughts about money? Yes. How does a person go back and have a look at that to uncover what it is that is causing them to have their current relationship with money? Yes. Well, one of the things that I have in the book, um, and that's a worksheet on money stories, and it makes you take a look at how your relationship with money was established. When I coach a client, I ask her, what is the first memory you have with money? Um, there's a, a, a person in the book that I refer to, she remembers she used to love to play store. Um, she would put price tags on everything and she would play store. She's an entrepreneur. She's a very successful entrepreneur who's had many, many um, stores in her life. But that was her first relationship with money because her mother was a very big self-starter entrepreneur. Those things get brought in. Where I worry about is when I have a woman who tells me money was a control thing in my parents' marriage. Um, because money, like I said, it, it has to do with power. Um, so I really want people to take a deep dive and think, what was that first money memory? Um, was it maybe that you were spanked? Because, and, and I will tell you, this is one of my money memories. I remember being hit on the hand and told, don't touch that money is dirty. Um, my mother's fear would, I would stick it in my mouth. Obviously it had been in a lot of hands, but you need to reframe that message to children and say, you know what? Um, that's, that, that may have germs on it. It's a lot of people have touched it, but don't say that money is dirty. Reframe the conversation in that way. Um, but yeah, you need to take a deep dive and you need to really either work with somebody or maybe, maybe even in your journaling, do a journal to money, write money, a, a letter and say money. I, I remember when I first had this concept of you, was it the doll that you couldn't buy? Was it mom and dad arguing about money? What was that first memory? Well, it's interesting. I used to have those stores too, and I actually have photographs that my godparents took of me having those stores and having all the stuffed toys lined up to buy things. <laughs> and and that was great. However, I am an only child who came from a product of two hijackals, those toxic people we talk about here, and their fear about money. I mean, fear, fear, fear. They were depression-area people. They were insurance poor. It was just frightening. Here's an example of what I grew up with. After my parents had passed, I found out by receiving my mother's mail, she was the second to pass, that she was still paying insurance on a television set that was 15 years old to make sure that nothing happened to it and she could get it fixed. So there are really deep money issues that I could have had. And certainly I had to overcome some of them and go through some of the things you talk about, but you know, so deeply ingrained that fear what if I lose it? What if I lose it? What if there's not enough? Scarcity, scarcity, lack, lack. And and that gets ingrained in a child. You can't have that. We don't have the money for that. Somebody else will have to um, go without something if you do that. It will always be part of the equation. 
And for people in toxic relationships, male or female, because we know that there are an equal number of hijackals who are male and female, they have a very interesting take on the power of money in a relationship. They like to rule the roost and manage the finances, don't they? Yes, they do. They do. And it's something that I talk about. I've written about it in my book. I, I have blogged about it. Um, I call it financial spousal abuse um, or financial infidelity is another term that I've used. It. And it is, it's, it's a slow erosion is what people don't get. Um, I deal, my client base tends to be women um, who are going through divorce. And we always have that moment where she's so ashamed because she says, how did I get here? Um, and it didn't happen overnight. It, you didn't wake up one day and tell your spouse, here's all my money. Here's my power. Um, I'm going to give up my career. I'm going to give up all my credit cards. No, it slowly starts happening. And then you wake up one day and you're in a horrible situation. Yes, it is an erosion. For sure, it's an erosion. And the book that we're talking about is Empower Your Worth. And I, I've made a couple markers here. So now that you brought up the term, I just want to read this. It's on page 77 for those of you who have the book. And it's called Financial Infidelity, Every Bit as Bad as It Sounds. And Vicki wrote, when a client comes to me who is going through a divorce, I always wish I could send her back in time to talk to her younger self. Because when she talks about the fact that she forfeited control of the financial decisions in her marriage, it's often in the context of finding out that she has been the victim of what I call financial infidelity. And by that I mean hidden bank accounts, large secret purchases, and spouses who use marital assets to support or buy large gifts for other partners. Mm -hmm. And you know, this happens. I'm, I'm thinking about a client that I had for several years because it took so much unpacking and it almost took financial ruin, but she was willing to even live in her car for a short while, which she had to do. But when we got through, because let me say this about financial things in divorce, hijackals, those toxic people, the ones we are trying to save our sanity from, hijackals hire hijackal attorneys. So now you have two of them in court and you're dealing with that. So we had to persist for a long time. We had to go through several attorneys for her. But where we got to finally, Vicki, was that we were able to get the court to see that, in fact, she was not the terrible wife he made her out to be and got the entire thing reversed. We found out that he had secret accounts. He was sending money to his mother in Switzerland. He had hidden accounts that he had taken uh, out of the business that they mutually had. And the final result was that he went to jail. And when he gets out, he's being deported. And this was a great thing, but you know, it was so difficult because she just didn't have the money to keep persisting. So she had to go per se to court, you know, uh, represent herself. I had to keep advising her what to say, what to do, how to position herself, what to respond. 
but we finally got there but a lot of people do not have that tenacity or ability or willingness and it's very difficult so let's talk about the front end let's talk about what we can do so we don't end up in those places and you know you talked about getting married in the book mm-hmm. now whether that's a real marriage or that's moving in together whatever you mean these days by that but I loved what you said here. This is on page 59 once you get the book. Your heart is your heart, and I know you will follow it. So whatever your relationship looks like, I urge you to ask yourself, how can you follow your heart in a way that protects you financially? Now, when people come to me, and I wish they would more often before they move in together, Mm -hmm. and they say, we want to create the best relationship, I always say there are some really tough conversations you need to have. One of them is about money. And they go, oh, no, you know, I don't, no, we'll be okay. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. So what would you say? What is that conversation? I, I, the same way I advocate tremendously for the same way that you do premarital counseling. Um, I had to do that. I got married in, in the Roman Catholic church. So we had to do premarital counseling. I suggest that finance has to be part of that. I'm a very big proponent in, I remember back in, in the 1990s, people would give each other their, their AIDS test and they would show, look, I'm clean. Let's get married. You know, let's, let's take the relationship further. Um, I say do the same thing, do a credit report swap, especially nowadays. Um, a lot of people are getting married and commingling funds and inheriting other people's debt. Um, so it's really important. And I say, if you don't feel comfortable having that conversation, don't put a ring on it. Don't, don't say yes. It, it, Cause by saying yes, you're saying that I feel as one with you, I'm going to create a life with you. And that should mean full transparency in every aspect of your life. And if when you go to have that conversation, the reaction is, is maybe a little taken aback. Okay. But if you go to have it again, and it's still taken aback, rethink your situation. Yeah, it's a tough one. You might take a run or two at it. (laughs) Yes. But it is a very important conversation to have because you come from different backgrounds. You know, I remember, Vicki, I was giving this big uh, talk at at, um, an organization in Canada, and it was a corporation. They wanted to talk about conflict management and communication in the workplace. And I said to them, there were about 300 people, I said, everybody go and stand on that wall. If in your home... When a conflict came up, you just did not mention it. You were quiet about it. You just went about your business. And if in your home you you went over, you um, argued about it, and you said everything you wanted to do, and you hugged it out later, go to that wall and then fall where you are in between. <clears throat> so we had two big clumps of people on the walls and then others. And what I said to them was, okay, look around the room. Find the person furthest from you. Look at them and think, if I were on a team with this person or I was in the next cubicle, we could have some big issues about what to do. And the same thing is true when you get into a relationship, a one-on-one relationship. You have to know what were the backgrounds, what, what ways do we resolve conflict? What ways do we think about money? What do we actually think about marriage or moving in together 
<clears throat> and it's really difficult to see red flags when you're wearing rose-colored glasses. So whip those puppies off, you know. <laughs> it's so important. <clears throat> so tough conversation. Have the conversation about money. Little word about hijackals. They have to be the smartest person in the room in their estimation, and they believe that they can make you do anything, manipulate you to do anything that will end up being in their best interest. So think how appealing that is in the money conversation. Oh, great. You have money. You know, one of the graphics that I've put on Facebook and shared is there's nobody who loves you more than a narcissist who's lost their job. Right? That's be very true. <laughs> because they want to be taken care of and they believe that they're entitled to be taken mm -hmm. care of. So they will manipulate you into believing that they are brilliant and they will at any moment become absolutely financially fluid once again. And in the meantime, if you just support them and that can happen. Or that can happen in a relationship that seems to be going along well, but then you hit a speed bump about money, and then the truth comes out, doesn't it? It does. And, and, I, and I always say, there's fertile ground for this behavior. Um, I think that we talk, the hijackal finds the person that is easy to, to take, and I, I call it, it's abuse. Um, and you feed into it. For a lot of women, the men come, oh, I'm great with money. I'm a captain of industry. I, I know how to, do. and you just feed into that, that Prince Charming narrative that we've been yeah. fed as women. And you say, well, I, I'm going to give him, you know, control of the money. He's better at it. And I've seen it it was the same thing, the narcissist, the unemployed narcissist. Well, you know what? I want him to feel good about himself. And he says he's great with money. And this is just a blip in his career. So I'm going to let him handle. And I've seen of entrepreneurs where they have handled the business side of these poor women's careers and ruined it. So you, you need to do a lot of, of in, introspection. You need to look at yourself. And you need to realize, am I feeding into this? Uh, is this? Why is this appealing to me? Why am I giving up this control? Big question, because the, the mega question there is, why am I giving up control at all? The thing is that we, we think of control as one person has it, the other person doesn't have it. And one of the things that I talk about all the time is there are three qualities that a relationship has to have to be healthy. And that's equity and equity, it has to be equitable and there be equity, reciprocity and mutuality. And mutuality means that we both care a whole lot about this. We care that each other is financially solvent. We mutually care about that and we mutually make that happen. And when we get into a toxic relationship with someone who sees the opportunity to grab, which is what it is, it's a power grab and then it's a financial grab, we have to be awake to that. And, you know, <clears throat> speaking about women, we are a cultured to 
nurture the family and want to have a provider and gatherer help us with that. Now, of course, we have a new paradigm where two people work and all, but it doesn't mean that the biological imperative has changed. So there is just this little moment where we think, oh, that's lovely. I want somebody to take care of me and they will take over the finances and they make the connection erroneously in many cases that being taken care of means that it will be built and my best interest and the family's best interest will be paramount. Exactly. And and this is something that I've also said um, to many women. You know, marriage is 50-50. We go into these um, traditional roles and division of labors in our marriage, and they're very traditional. And at times, it's almost a disservice as well because you give the responsibility to your husband and he doesn't want it and he's not good at it. And he feels a certain amount of shame to have to say, I don't know anything about money. My family was a mess with money and I don't want to deal with this, but I'm less of a man if I don't do this. And you know, it's, it's the same abuse I feel, but just backwards because why can't he have a frank conversation with you and say, honey, you know what? We're a team. Um, you know, we're a team. I- I'm going to change a diaper on occasion and you're going to have to balance the checkbook on occasion and we're going to figure it out, but we do it together. You know, it wasn't vows that were just taken by one person and one person nodded the whole time. You promised each other to share a life together. And that means every aspect of that life. Right. And it might mean that you have a frank conversation about, you're not good with money, neither am I. We need to go and take a course. We need to get some help. <laughs> we need to learn. And we can learn this together so we'll be equally as strong. That's mm-hmm. certainly something that we can do. And and hijackles just love inequity. And it always goes in their favor. So um, here's another example. And I'd love your take on this. I had a client who's husband recognized that she wasn't all that good with money. So he gave her the finances to take care of, knowing she would struggle. Mm -hmm. And he let her struggle. And he let her struggle. And then he took them away saying, look how terrible you are. And when he took them away, here's what he did. He gave her less grocery money every time. And then he would say, you should be able to manage. You should be able to manage. By the time she got to me, Vicky, she was actually having to go to family members and ask for food in order to support the two children because he kept telling her she was such a mess she couldn't manage on the money that he gave her. And, of course, he was salting the money away elsewhere. But he was shaming her. And he said, well, look at the mess you made of the finances. I have to take it now and I have to teach you. And if you have to go begging to family members in order to feed our kids, so be it because you're such a poor money manager. Yes. And, and that goes back. And I see that a lot. It's that, that Prince Charming narrative again, where he's going to come and he's going to save you. Um, you know, but he's put you in the situation that you need saving from. Okay, so less and less money every single week. That is a terrible way to maintain power over somebody because it's to the detriment of two children who happen to be autistic. Oh, you know, that, that's just horrible. And and again, I, like I said, it's you have that Prince Charming narrative. A, he gets to be the savior, 
because he had to sweep in and take everything from her. But then he's continuing the humiliation by making her suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer. And it's funny that he would do that actually with grocery money because a lot of the women that I know, um, when they start to wake up to this, one of the things that they do is that they skim off grocery money to start to start to make a nest egg for themselves because they know they have to get out and they have no financial power. So I, I would be very curious if maybe that's why he chose that particular thing to do. Um, but again, it's, it's just, it's just having to get the education. If when she was floundering, if she had just asked somebody, a family member even, and said, look, I'm handling the finances. Can you help me out? I want to make sure um, I'm doing it correctly. Although I'm pretty sure no matter how she had done it, he would have found fault with it at the end of the day. Something would have been wrong. That was the narrative he wanted to write for her. Um, and there's, there's nothing you can do about it, but get, but free yourself. Well, that's the way it would have gone in this particular circumstance, because I'm happy to report that over time, no matter the fact she didn't have any money, we did the two things that I tell all my clients to do. Before that, if there's physical or sexual abuse, leave, go to the police and go to the hospital. But if there isn't physical and sexual abuse, then practice and prepare practice and prepare. So we did those two things with her. She found a little job. She'd never worked outside the home. We got things going and she got a divorce and it's good. (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) It is. But, you know, we people have a tendency to do another thing, which is walk out and they'll say, All I want is out of here. They're so worn down and torn down that they just want to get out. And I remind them all the time, Vicki, if you do that, you are going to be that disempowered person that you are right now sitting somewhere alone in a poor situation than you could possibly imagine. And you're just going to have had that moment where you felt really powerful and you walked out and you're going to repent at your leisure. So if there's no physical or sexual abuse going on, we need to make a plan, practice and prepare, and then we can make a good decision and take the next step. So important. I would actually go one further with that. I I tell my clients also, um, you're going to war. You you need to, this person has eroded your self-esteem. They've eroded your self-confidence. They've done all this. And and if there isn't sexual or physical abuse, there is still a type of abuse. It's emotional and psychological. That's not going to stop because a judge in a a courthouse said you are now divorced, especially if you have children. Um, At times you have to hit the bully on the playground back. Um, to have them understand, don't mess with me anymore. I'm not the same person I was a year ago um, when we started or, or or five years ago. You need to draw a line in the sand because if not, the abuse continues to happen. You want to be free, but you want to be, you want to be free and confident and you want to be free and whole freedom for the sake of just freedom is, is at times a very false belief. Well, really what you're talking about is my prepare and practice strategy, which is empowering yourself, changing your mindset, learning to live from your values, learning to see how your maybe misfortunate beliefs about how relationships work or 
money is taken care of or any of those things are working and then you have to rethink them and this is all in the practice and prepare model and then also learning how to stand up and have boundaries, how to start to set them, how to watch what happens. See what's possible to change in the relationship by what you change within yourself. And then as you do those things, it becomes more credible to be able to say, well, as you can see, I am not the person that you married and it is not all right with me for these things to be happening. This is what's all right with me. Are you willing to work with me? And many times this is a big wake-up call and it creates a big break in the relationship because the person thought they had it handled, the toxic person, the hijackal thought they had it handled. (laughs) We've got the power structure all taken care of. And then they find they don't. And you're absolutely right. When you get a divorce, one of two things is going to happen. The person is going to discard you and go off and immediately find other supply and distract themselves for a while. And or at the same time or later, they're going to come and say, you were my supply and I'm not letting you out of my sight. I am going to take everything I can from you just because it makes me feel powerful. And remember always, everybody, I tell you all the time, remember hijackals have very little love to give you, but they have great uses for you. And so these, this being used does not stop. They still want to use you. And that's what you're talking about, isn't it, Vicki? Yes. And, and I'm shaking my head here because I've not only seen this, but as a mother and having dealt with so many women who are mothers, I have seen the abuse go to the children. Um, He knows that he can no longer, and I say he, but it can be she as well. You can no longer get to me. I have gotten strong. I have gotten um, confident, but there's a child involved that they can, that they can mess with. And that's, and, and then what do you do? What do you do when it's your child? And, and then what happens, you're going back to court constantly. And you get onto this roller coaster that they create and that they use very, very well. They know how to use the court system so well. It's, I have, I'm like, are they all lawyers? Do they all take some legal class that we don't know about? But they know how to use that court system time and time again to go after people. Well, they know how to manipulate. And Mm -hmm. if you know how to manipulate generally as a lifestyle, which is their lifestyle, then they learn quickly how to charm how to seduce, how to exploit, how to tell a narrative, how to twist a narrative, how to make up anything they need that will make themselves look better. We see this in the world all the time. And this is what's going on in relationships. There is no equity when you're in a relationship with a toxic person. There is no equality. It is always a, I will win and I will show you I will win from the hijackal side. So it certainly extends to this financial piece. And when you're tired of them emotionally, they don't go away financially. They want to alienate the children. They want to give the children everything and say they're see, you know, they become Disneyland parents. Now, I'll give you everything that the other parent won't give you because I love you more. And they lie to their children. They skew the truth. They twist the truth. They do all kinds of things in order to get the children to like them better, which is not because they want to take care of the children. It's because they don't want you to have them. 
Exactly. And they also breed infighting among siblings with it. Um, they, they will play favorites. Um, I've even seen it, you know, in, in the situation where they do remarry and go on to have other children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom one time called it this and I was so horrified, but as I got, as I grew up and I did start doing what I do for a living, she called, she said, it's the children of a lesser God because he literally makes those children from the, the marriage that where the, she escaped feel less than they're less than they, they, they have less than in clothing. They have less than in hobby vacations and he will put it in their face. He will show, Oh, look at the vacation I just took with my new family. And it's very, very hurtful. And imagine how, how do you, the self-esteem of a child oh, having yeah. a parent treat you like that? Well, and it's rampant in the toxic community for sure. And unfortunately, the research supports that there are more and more hijackals in the world. So I'm sure you know one. I'm sure every single person in the world knows one. And if you were raised by one, you're going to know way more than one because you're going to be hijackal bait. That's what I call it. They can almost sense that you will respond to them so they congregate around you and you may end up having to do a lot of work. I know with my clients after we get through they're making their decisions. Sometimes they decide to stay because of the age of the children or things but they're always practicing and preparing and changing and growing and and they will make a decision when they're ready and it's appropriate for them. There's no one size fits all in this business but The thing is that we have the opportunity to recognize what I am in is in a toxic relationship. What does it actually look like? How is it playing out? What would happen financially, which is your great expertise? And I want everyone to know that this is a good book. You want to go and read this. It's Bottom Line Facts here. Empower Your Worth by Victoria Lowell. And the subtitle is A Woman's Guide to Increasing Self-Worth and Net Worth. So if you were raised in a family that didn't teach you how to do those things, you want to go out and grab that. I know I'm constantly saying to my kids, and I have three adult kids, and I say to them, a mother is not a financial plan. <laughs> yes, yes. And neither is a husband. I say that no. to a lot of women. Your husband cannot be, or your ex-husband for that matter, um, because you deal with it on the other side. Also, women who, who get divorced and they want to take everything, um, you know, down to, down to the nails in the wall. They could take those, they take them too. You know, your, your spouse cannot be your financial plan. No, and I think Laura Langemeyer was the one who originated the idea that someone is not your financial plan. Mm -hmm. But I ended up telling my kids that, and it was important for them to hear it years ago. You know, fortunately, they are all doing well. But for those of of people listening who are just beginning to recognize the toxicity of the money management and the control and things. I hope that you have really learned something from my guest, Vicki Lowell. You find her at empoweredworth.com, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-E-D. 
W-O-R-T-H. She mentioned that she has a free gift for you. It's in the show notes, but you can go to empoweredworth.com slash resources. You can find that. And I really want to thank you for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. This is absolutely invaluable. I hope you'll come back another time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'd love to come back. I love what you do. It, it, it's so needed. It's so needed. We need to get these, these women and men away from these horribly toxic people. We do, and we need to get them away with as much of their finances intact as we possibly can. So my guest today has been Vicki Lowell, and you will find her book, Empowered Worth, uh, no, Empower Your Worth, and find her at empoweredworth.com. We talk about all kinds of things here to help you manage and and meander through the horrible territory of being in a toxic relationship and finding your way free of it. So until we speak again, take really good care of yourself. Come and find me at transformingrelationship.com. Listen to more episodes of this podcast and encourage and educate yourself with this information. So invaluable for you. Transformingrelationship.com. Till we speak again, take very good care of yourself because you know why. You matter. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon. 